Welcome to Coaching and Cocktails, the podcast. Okay, here we are. Welcome to Coaching and Cocktails. I'm Tina. I'm Brandy. And we're here today uh, with another empowerment story, but a little bit of a different flavor, maybe? Yeah, so it's Chris, who people have heard a lot. Mm-hmm. And so this is her post-show story. Right. And if you haven't heard Chris's stories previously, I highly suggest going back and listening. And I'll, I'll post in the show notes because I don't remember which episodes they are. But it's good to kind of be able to follow um, her journey so you can kind of see where she's been, even though she explains it quite a bit, I think, in, in this podcast. Um, but here's Chris. Hi, everybody. My name is Chris Fuste. I am a proud member of Team Center Stage Figures and Physiques. Um, Tina and Brandy had asked me if I would be willing to share my experience um, post-competition, and I gladly accepted. So I have done a couple of um, podcast interviews with them. Uh, The first one that I did was actually probably about a year ago this time when um, we talked a bit about my experience with competing, mostly the good, bad, and the ugly, which unfortunately quite a bit more of bad and ugly for me than good, but enough good that I continue to come back to this sport. Um, So where I am right now is about two, a little over two weeks post-competition. Where I would be typically, so just a little backstory on me for those of you that that don't know me or my story. I've been competing um, competitively in bodybuilding for um, about 12 years now. Um, My first show was in 2009. And it was actually a complete disaster. I mean, the show itself was great. I, you know, got on stage. I ended up winning that show very first time on stage. I didn't get a pro card or anything because it was an NPC show. And it was also quite a very small show. Um, But that doesn't mean I didn't put in the work. And, you know, prior to that, I, I just had this, like... I guess, romanticized idea of what bodybuilding and competing was all about. I just saw the body. I didn't really understand just what was required, not just, you know, dieting and exercise, but the emotional side of this sport. And unfortunately, I just don't find that Uh, There's enough emphasis on the mental aspect of what dieting like this can really do to somebody. Um, And so I had no idea. And post-competition, after that very first show, was really hard for me. Um, I I went to a really dark place for a really long period of time. Um, I will tell you that I've always struggled with binge eating as long as I can really remember, honestly. Um, I want to say that I remember like hiding and eating when I was like eight or nine years old. I remember family members pointing out and saying things about how much I ate at a very young age, like, oh, she's got a healthy appetite. Um, So to say that I was made aware of my body at probably a, a too young and too of an inappropriate age to be thinking about my physical appearance would be an understatement. Um, so, you know, I wasn't really coming into the sport in a good place, and I don't think many people do, but um, this is my story. I'm not going to talk about anybody else. So, <clears throat> so this uh, person that I had trained with, 
you know, had me on about 800 calories a day doing two 45 minute cardio sessions daily. In addition to the um, fitness classes that I was teaching as a full-time fitness instructor, uh, also raising two small children under three. And so <clears throat> when I came off the stage, I had no idea what the post-competition blues were, were what they were going to be like, what kind of hell I was going to be living in for the next couple of years, really. It did take some time, and I, I don't know that I ever fixed it. I don't know that I ever really like got past anything. I think I just survived. You know, I just, I didn't have a choice. I had to like pull myself together and figure it out. Um, but it really did start, um, I don't even want to say it started. It exasperated my binge restrict lifestyle. Um, prior to that, you know, I, I it never really did like a you know, I did the South Beach diet. I, I've done all the, the diets. I've worked in the health and wellness industry since the year 2000. Um, and prior to that, I was getting a little taste of like bro dieting and all of that stuff. So I, I can't say that like I really understood like my calories and all of that as a young person. But, you know, once I started to kind of understand how all that stuff worked, it became an obsession. And, um, you know, what I've learned is, is that diets don't fucking work, right? Like they just don't. If they worked, we wouldn't keep going on them. So there's something to be said about that. And that is really, truly a realization I have recently just come into, like, if diets actually worked, why do we keep doing them to ourselves? Um, but you know, here I, I, I want to just keep coming back to the fact that like, I have been a binge eater, never a purger, never not been hungry in my whole life until recently. Um, but for the most part, it, it's just a pattern. Uh, food is a comfort thing for me. And, um, you know, as far as competition goes, when it's time for me to, not be fluffy anymore. I want to compete because otherwise I just don't have the motivation to be on a diet. There's no other reason because I'm honestly, truthfully, fairly happy with, with my physical appearance for the most part. Um, so, you know, unless I'm trying to get super duper lean for a competition, there's no reason for me to be on a diet. And that can get frustrating for me from time to time. Um, but I will say that, you know, I came to Tina, I've known Tina, I've known of Tina for a very long time. It's hard not to know her, especially in, in the area that we live in. She's very prominent in the bodybuilding community, the, the natural bodybuilding community. Um, and you know, I, I always admired her. I loved being at shows where her team was, uh, eventually I got her to coach me on posing, Excuse me, I am drinking a warm cup of coffee with peppermint mocha creamer in it because this is my favorite time of year and that's my favorite treat. So I will be sipping periodically. Um, but, you know, I, I had found a coach that I liked. I was with him for a little while, got my pro card through Tina's coaching. I know that's the only reason I got my pro card the day that I did. And then I ended up switching to another coach, another female for my first pro show. Um, she had coached somebody that I really admired and I, I wanted to work with her. And uh, I don't want to say anything about her methods because for some people that the way that I was coached with her may work. For me, it really did kind of put me back to that first competition, dark hating myself, not really being able to see the light at the end of the tunnel, even post-competition. And for me, being where I am right now, two weeks post-competition, I would typically have put on 
pretty much everything that I had lost. And let me tell you, if you've never competed, it does not come on the same way that it comes off. It usually goes right to the belly for my body and to my face, um, which sends me into a depression. And then I start to binge more and then I feel guilty about the binge. So then I restrict and then I punish myself and then it starts all over and over again. So it is a vicious cycle. And just talking about it, I feel a little anxious because how I have lived my life like that for so many years, it's beyond me. I've put all this energy and power um, on food, and it's taken a long time to work through all that. Um, So when I finally decided to work with Tina, this has been about three years ago, um, we had run into each other at the back, in backstage of a, a bodybuilding show that I was working. She was there with her team, and we kind of got to talk a little bit. And I had, at that point, already been sort of feeling her out. Um, I had been messaging her, kind of picking her brain. I had gone from the female coach back to the male coach I was comfortable with. Um, I had already fired him, as you would say, twice, so I didn't really want to do that again. He was comfortable for me. Um, but you know, Tina was giving me time and, and answering questions and emails and I wasn't paying her. She was just giving me information and, and already starting to instill in me this like desire to, I don't know, find value in myself and not focus so much on my physical body. I can't tell you, it wasn't really anything like one particular thing that she said, but it was like these subtle things I was picking up on that. I wanted to change about myself, and, and I liked what she had to say, and so she invited me to go to uh, a women's retreat that the team puts on annually, um, and I went. Yeah, I didn't really know anybody. I barely knew Tina, so it was sort of a leap of faith going on a women's retreat with a bunch of women in a house for a weekend. I don't know these ladies, and you know how women can be. I was a little worried, but it ended up being one of the most wonderful experiences of my life. Some of the women there had no desire to ever get on a a bodybuilding competition stage. Uh, Other women were just looking for, you know, some, some guidance. And then there were other women that were looking to compete and change their, you know, their style of training. So there was a mixed bag, but at the end of the day, what we focused on more than anything else was the emotional and mental aspect that the sport does have on us. Um, And I walked away from that weekend knowing I needed to work with Tina. And that really did start the ball rolling for me. And we spent the next couple of years really, you know, pulling back from competing. I really didn't, that wasn't on my radar. Um, I got into CrossFit. So I was, I was being fit again. Um, You know, I really like to be athletic and and to know that if I want to go run three miles, I can do that. And the coach that I had you know, before one of the coaches before very, very minimal cardio. And, you know, some people really like to not do cardio. And at first I thought that was me, but I now know that mentally I've got to get rid of some of that energy. You know, I'm a very high strung person. Uh, I have a lot of anxiety. So if I'm not doing cardio, I'm bottling all that up in my physical body. So I like being fit. I like, you know, being athletic and CrossFit was giving me that while Tina was helping me with the emotional side of things and guiding me with food and really trying to take the power out of, I shouldn't even say power, take the emotion out of food, learning to reframe the way that I look at food, reframe my relationship. So instead of like feeling I'm binge eating all the time, just to be okay with it, to accept it to know that I'm going to be okay, um, to let it go and to move forward instead of 
feeling so guilty that I'm going to continue to binge and then maybe I'll start to get restrictive again and then I'll feel a little bit better about myself and then because I feel better about myself then I start the cycle all over again. Um, and so those the cycle became less and less um, and do I still kind of struggle sometimes with overeating and feelings of guilt? Absolutely. I am 43 years old. I've been doing this to myself since I was, what, seven, eight years old. It's going to take some time. And we all have good days and bad days. But for the most part, um, my relationship with food has completely changed. Now, what I will say is this competition season was quite unique. Um, I have been a figure competitor. I, I did do one bikini competition a few years ago just to kind of test the waters. Um, but in my mind, and I don't want to offend anybody, at that point in time, I really did hold figure um, a bit higher on a pedestal than bikini because to me, bikini is like, it's sexy, it's blah, blah, blah. Or figure, I'm like, these are athletes. These are women that are like, you know, putting more time and energy into the gym and it's not so much sexy, although there is a sex appeal to it. What I learned is that it's very similar. I mean, the training is almost the same. The diet is pretty much the same. Like, it's all the same. The posing's different. The suit's different. Um, but for the most part, the um, effort that goes into bikini competing and figure competing are pretty much the same. So I respect all aspects of bodybuilding at this point. None of it is easy, um, and, and we need to give credit where credit is due. This is a tough sport on a lot of levels. Um, but you know, so when I did decide to get back on stage, I decided that I was going to try bikini. I have always been somebody that was sort of in between figure and bikini. If there was a division in the center, I would totally be perfect for it, but I'm like a little too muscular for bikini, not muscular enough for figure. So I sort of danced back and forth on that, on that cusp. So Figure, um, I will say, after being at Yorton Cup this year, I definitely did do myself a favor by going to bikini because figure, in my opinion, is is changing. What I saw on that stage was uh, amazing, incredible physiques for natural. I didn't even know that was possible. So it's really cool to see these bodies evolving the way that they are and just uh, very, very admirable. Bikini, same thing. I mean, these bodies are amazing. It's, it's like, there's not a person that was on that stage at Yorton cup a couple weeks ago that didn't deserve to be there. Um, so I was quite honored to be one of those folks, but, um, regardless, you know, I, I decided to, um, go to bikini and, um, we had started kind of pre-prepping in November for, um, um, the original plan was three shows. So one at the end of August, then two weeks later, September 11th, and then Yorton Cup, which is, uh, to me, like the biggest honor out there as far as natural bodybuilding goes. That would be about six weeks from the September show, but that was the main goal. That has been a goal of mine for as many years as I've been competing. Um, it is, uh, quite, uh, it's just one that I've always wanted to do. I cannot tell you it is not a bucket list for me. That was a goal that I really wanted to achieve. And if it was a bucket list thing, I don't think I would take it as seriously as I did. Like this is definitely something that was important to me. Um, but backtrack a little bit, you know, um, we'd started pre-prep and I think because, you know, just my experience with post-competition blues and knowing how dark, um, it gets for me. I think that that creates this little black cloud that hangs over my head the entire competition prep season. 
And I say that because when we started this pre-prep in November, my mental health could not handle thinking about a competition for almost an entire year because I, I can't speak for anybody else, but I know for myself that it's always there. It's always there. Whether I'm like thinking about food or not, or I'm focused on this prep or not, like it's always there in the back of my mind. It, 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 in my opinion, for me to be successful, it has to be. Um, and I just mentally couldn't handle that. Now, I will say I have not done a competition prep with Tina before, so I also didn't fully understand her methods and what the direction that this was going to go. So, um, you know, I was basing this all off of the experiences that I've had in the past. So we decided that November, um, you know, maybe we'll revisit this in the new year. It was just a little too much for my brain to handle at that point. And so I'd say around February, uh, we started up again we kind of picked things back up and we really, it was very long, but very good because so slow. And, you know, we just started little things here and there, you know, nothing was rigid, not even, you know, until the very end did it get really rigid and tough. But for the most part, it was quite an enjoyable experience. And, you know, we added a little cardio here. We took away a couple of macros here. We just, you know, kind of just did the thing. And there would be days, you know, I went on a couple of vacations and I would, you know, in my mind slip and start beating myself up and berating myself. And, and Tina would walk, talk me off the ledge many, many times, you know, like it's, it's okay. Like you got all this time. This is why we started so early. This is a mistake or whatever. Please don't let it, you know, derail you completely. Um, and so, you know, it was a lot of that. And every time that would happen, you know, I would feel a little bit more confident about myself and my own abilities. And um, it sort of took away a little bit more of the power that food sort of has over me, especially during prep. And, uh, you know, on a personal level, you know, um, things in my home were very hard. Um, so, you know, just as many of us experienced through 2020, um, you know, being at home, not working. My husband really has not worked in a very long time. My kids were obviously home learning virtually. Uh, I have three teenagers. So, you know, top all that off with just teenage hormones and stuff. And it was it was a battle. And uh, my daughter and my husband started to not get along um, very quickly into the pandemic. And it just continued to escalate more and more. And it felt like my home had become a war zone. And, um, you know, my daughter was really lashing out, acting out. Um, it was a really difficult time. And come to find out, um, you know, she was struggling with a few things, but anxiety, depression led to an eating disorder, which led us to admit her into a treatment facility one week before my first competition. Um, so I say all of that because it's a very big part of my success at this point. Um, at that point, it was terrible. Um, I decided not to do the first show, the one that was in August. There was just too much going on. So, you know, I thought, well, give myself two weeks. This 9-11 show I wanted to do, it was in Norfolk, Virginia, where my family all live. So I had hoped that they would be able to come and support me and see me. And I, I wanted to do that show. I really wanted to do two. And I, I literally put her in a facility the day that peak week should have been starting. So my show was September 11th, the Saturday before 
put her in in the facility. And as I was leaving, which by the way, that was really one of the hardest things, if not the hardest thing I've ever had to, to have done. Um, there were other things that happened that affected my whole entire family. So it wasn't just like put her in treatment and then we'll deal with this later. It was, holy shit, we had just had a giant storm of things that we are dealing with on so many different levels. There was no way to escape. Um, but being in prep was the one thing I felt like I could kind of focus on a little bit. It was almost a nice little distraction for that week. Um, and I am so, so glad that I did that show because even though it was, I was like in a fog, I really have no idea what I, how I did what I did. It was such a phenomenal show. It was a great experience. I had a blast. Um, it put things into perspective. So as I'm going on stage, I'm thinking I'm doing this for my family, for my kid. They've seen me work so hard and sacrifice and, you know, my priorities shifted 110%. Um, so as I'm going on that stage, I'm like, F it, I'm just going to have a blast. I'm going to have fun. And that's what I did. And then it was over and I came home and then she came home a couple days later. And, you know, the stress that I felt having her in that facility and, and, and the events leading up to that were stress like I've never seen before. And I had said that I'd never not been hungry until that point in my life. So those six weeks between t- between the two shows were really difficult on so many levels. Um, I think I changed my mind 15 times every day on whether or not I was going to do Yorton. Um, I was really struggling. Uh, so anorexic, my daughter's anorexic, um, severe. Uh, she came in you know, after a year of anorexia, which which is what we found out was truly going on, um, she was far more advanced. And and this is honestly a problem right now that these girls, 12 and 13 and 16, seem to be the ages that are coming in with um, an eating disorder, like three years advanced in a year. Um, So just so much time sitting in their rooms and looking at themselves and obsessing and feeling bad about themselves and the mental state that it takes a regular person in the past with an eating disorder to get to is accelerating so much faster these days. Um, You know, I I can't even imagine what these teenage girls and boys are even dealing with right now with COVID. Um, But regardless, you know, coming home and, and dealing with outpatient therapy, which by the way, becomes like another job. I work two jobs. Uh, you know, I, I barely had time to fit in my training. I would eat some days and then other days I'd eat nothing. Like it was a lot of back and forth. And I just thought, am I going to be able to do this? And at the end of the day, that's what I decided to do. I, I had worked too hard, even though I wasn't perfect those six weeks between shows. I had worked so hard and this had been such a goal for so long that I thought if I don't take the stage at Yorton Cup, regardless of the outcome, I will regret it. And we went into this season thinking it would be my last season competing. However, I don't know that that's the case. (laughs) I have gotten a lot of positive feedback uh, post-competition that sort of, you know, kept that carrot dangling in front of me. But it will not be until she's either out of my home or in a better place mentally that I feel comfortable counting macros again, weighing my food, obsessing over my appearance. I I just don't feel like that's a healthy thing for somebody with an eating disorder to see. And, uh, you know, I, 
I think a lot has come into play here. I think Tina has been an absolute godsend for me at Brandy and the team too. Like everybody in this team has had an impact on me. And, um, you know, I am super grateful for that fact because I don't think that I would be able to be where I am handling the situation with my family the way that I am without that, uh, without that support, without that guidance, without that help that was already in place before all of this happened. And, you know, the situation with my daughter made everything else make total sense. You know, why am I going to feel like food is this important thing when I can't do that in front of her? If it's not healthy for my teenage daughter, why would I think it would be healthy for me? You know, now her situation's a little different. She's a restrictor. I am a binger. And so coming to see how, you know, my relationship with food has affected her Um, even though it's a little different, we're still kind of in the same place. We're both reverse dieting right now. This kid's trying to get her calories up and, you know, gain some weight and that's hard for her. And it is also hard for me. You know, the last two weeks have been amazing. I can't tell you a competition that I've walked off the stage and not started binging that night. This time my husband and I went out after the show I had a um, burger we split. We had a couple of little appetizers, a glass of wine, out. That was it. And I didn't come home and start binging like I normally do. I never felt so restricted in my, my training that I felt the need to come home and just shove food in my face like I did in the past. Two weeks post competition for me, normally, I'm a mess. I'm a wreck. And I hate myself for what I do to myself during those times. This time is different. This time there's been not a single binge. Have I maybe eaten more than I needed to? Uh, Yes, of course. Um, But their guilt is not there. Now, what I will say is over this past weekend, I started to feel the weight coming back on. I started to feel it kind of in my midsection in an uncomfortable way. My clothes are starting to fit a little funky that's hard. That's hard. Um, and I don't want to minimize or downplay that fact because there is definitely some baggage that still is going to come with this post-competition. However, I'm trying not to focus on that. I'm trying to continue to keep my eyes on the prize, which is a healthy relationship with food. Um, I'm trying to focus myself on eating things that are nourishing. I am a big snack food person. I love Cheez-Its and tortilla chips and those kind of things. I am partaking in some of that. I am not partaking in sweets right now because I can't freaking handle it. I'm, I'm a little scared to go down that path. So I am still like, you know, dealing with some of my own issues, but for the most part, I am extremely grateful for where I am. Um, I feel healthy. I feel positive. I feel like I'm going to be okay. Um, and if I want to compete again in a few years, I feel ready for that. I feel like I could handle it in such a different capacity. So I think that's really all that I want to share, all that I want to say. You know, I feel so empowered, and I know that that is what this is all about. You know, this is what our team, Tina, Brandy, uh, this is what they want to focus on, giving us the empowerment to feel good about who we are, 
to um, you know make choices that make sense for our mental health and you know to kind of understand that food is food supposed to be fun from time to time. It's supposed to fill us up and make us feel, you know, um, a part of certain things. Like I used to not go to weddings. I used to not go to parties because I didn't think I could handle being around the food. That's not fair. That's not fair to my family. And it's not fair to my friends that I had felt so out of control that I skipped things instead of, you know, being involved. And I feel like I'm in a really different place and that my friends is empowerment. So I just wanted to thank you for listening to my story. Uh, I hope that you were able to pull something from it that you can apply to yourself. But really, if nothing more, I want to give you hope. If you are someone that struggles like I have um, with the binge, restrict, or body image, or any of that, it really is great to put it in perspective, to know that there are things out there that are so much more important than our physical appearance. Because hey, one day we're not getting out of this life alive, you know, and at some point I'm going to be older. (laughs) I'm not going to be able to control it. And, um, you know, I have to start learning now to be okay with gravity and the way that things just naturally begin to happen. Uh, cause I'm not going to nip tuck every little part of my bod, <laughs> but anyway, thank you so much, Tina and Brandy for this opportunity. Have a wonderful, wonderful day. Okay. So that was Chris's umpteenth story that she has shared with us. Thank goodness. Chris likes to share. So what do you think, since I'm closer to the story, so why don't you just give us your initial thoughts, Bryn? Well, I mean, I think it's, first of all, I want to thank her for sharing. Like, that's a lot of personal stuff, right? It's a lot of um, stuff that's probably not super easy for her to share, but I think it's probably important for a lot of people to understand the full picture of how things can go wrong which is kind of difficult to, I think, reflect and say, you know, it's it's one thing to sit here now and say, yes, this went right. It does kind of suck to look through what you've done and say, well, here's all the things I did that I should have done differently. So I really respect her being able to reflect on, I don't know how many years that really was that she captured, but probably close to 10 years of a difficult journey, a self-inflicted gunshot wound. Yeah. Over and over again. Yeah. So like we were just talking about before we hit record, that's why we implemented a lot of our programs that we have in order to set the foundation for women before they ever begin to compete. So a lot of what Chris went through doesn't happen. Right. I mean, because she even said, right, admittedly, she got into it because, and how many times have we heard this? My friend said, somebody at the gym thought I should, Mm -hmm. right? Like all of these reasons. And you're like, yeah, well, I lift weights, so why not? Let me jump into this thing and not having any understanding of really what they're getting into. And then, of course, if you get hooked up with a coach that doesn't really know what they're doing, right, then that just, you know, you're you're just setting yourself up for for disaster. And I think it's also important to to talk about um, to your point of the programs we've implemented to try to set healthy foundations for women before they ever get on stage. Um, she admitted like, she's like, she's been a binge eater started in childhood. Mm-hmm. Right. So she did not have a healthy relationship with food before getting into competing. And we know that the competition industry in general is just riddled with 
you know, body dysmorphia and eating or eating dis- disordered eatings, eating and actual eating disorders. Um, so, I, you know, I think that a lot of women can probably relate to exactly that. Yeah, I mean, with competitors and with people who want to run marathons, I just I couldn't say more loudly that those are endeavors you take on after you're physically and mentally fit. They're not endeavors you take on in order to get fit and healthy. You need to already be fit and healthy physically and mentally before you take on one of those endeavors or else a lot of, I think, what Chris kind of outlined would, will happen mm-hmm. um, because they're very intense events that... You know, I mean, it can, can mess you up physically and mentally, but can have implications for your family. Absolutely. Um, so, so I actually just completely lost my thought. So back to that point of having that healthy foundation ahead of time. And this goes back to something we talked about in one of our earlier podcasts. And again, I suck at remembering which podcast. But you remember when we talked about that, your, the athletic bell curve that you mm-hmm, came up mm-hmm, with, mm-hmm. right? And it's that, you know, most people, so you have like the left-hand side of the bell curve is probably where she was before she ever did her first competition, right? Yeah. Not a healthy relationship with food. Um, and then I don't think, I think she missed the top of the bell curve altogether, which is what we talked about in that episode. Like you don't get to go from the left to the right, right? right? Like most people actually should probably just get fit and healthy and stay at the top of that bell curve, which is that lifestyle, which is really where she's getting herself. She was before we ever got into this competition season. That's where she's been for probably the last year and a half, right? It took us a long time to get there. Um, because she had a lot of her life to unfuck, right? Like a lot of, thoughts to unfuck like she had um we we had to rewire all of her thinking that and that's what we spent all that time doing then we felt like she sat at the top of that bell curve for a good period of time i mean we're there like a year and a half before ever saying you know what let's dip our toes back in the pool of competing which is where you you know as a competitor you end up the elite competitor, right? All the way on the right side of that, that athletic belt. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, and I appreciate her sharing like all the challenges and she had some really extreme challenges during competition prep. And, and we've talked about a lot how the reverse of the competition prep is as difficult as the prep itself. And she has a lot of challenges, you know, in her life that she outlined that she's facing while she's also handling that. So again, the more, fit and healthy mentally and physically you go into this, the more able you are to handle challenges that come your way and stay in a good place. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, we are now working backwards, right? Which is really what the reverse and recovery process is about. Um, And she had a healthy foundation. So she is reversing much different than she ever had before. She's covering more easily I think than she ever has before because we set that foundation ahead of time um but you know you and I um have been talking recently about like what is it you know focus wise that we we really like to help women with and it's it's all that mental emotional aspect it is the rewiring of your brain and look I said I didn't say we wiring we wiring your brain 
Um, because we get hung up in whatever our thought patterns are from childhood or, you know, these experiences and those experiences. And we've talked, you know, before about like how our brains are designed to work and, you know, we get hung up in these cyclical thought patterns and, and that is just our go-to. It's comfortable. Mm -hmm. She even mentioned how she kept going back to the one coach because Mm -hmm. it was comfortable. Um, And, you know, when she started uh, working with me, I just started to challenge all of her thoughts, right? So every time, this is how we we work to rewire her thought processes, right? This is why I think, you know, now she's able to be more comfortable in her new way of thinking. She doesn't automatically revert to her old way of thinking. Sometimes it creeps in because there's no way, like we don't get to zap out that that wiring altogether. It's still there. It's still what's, you know, her body might want to go there more easily. Um, You know, but I, I mean, that's really what our coaching was about. I mean, she, she talks a lot about how, you know, I helped her take the emotion out of food and I helped her, you know, do this. But first and foremost, I'll say this only worked because she was willing to do the hard Mm -hmm. shit. Right. None of this was easy. It wasn't like, oh, Tina said, take the emotion out of food. I think that's a good idea. Let me go take the emotion out of food. Well, right? She's still in it. She's yeah. still in the thick of it. And she's going through it with her daughter. And, you know, like she said, she started these thought patterns when she was very young. So she's been doing them for 30 plus years. Two years of working out of it isn't going to solve the problem. No. It's going to be an ongoing something that she works on the rest of her life both in coaching and with food and in therapy and all of those things. And that's okay. Yeah. And that's the thing, right? With any, with any, uh, the poorer, when I say not the health, that the, the unhealthier behaviors and thoughts that we all have, right. They stem from somewhere and they don't just go away. Like we're never just fixed, right? Mm -hmm. We have to be constantly aware that those Mm -hmm. things are going on and constantly working on those things. The problem, I think, is that too many women, men too, too many people, right? That part's hard. Like, it's easier. It, it's comfortable. Our brains are designed to keep us comfortable, people. Like, this is, it's actual science. Like, this isn't, like, froofy psychology shit. Like, our, that's our brain's job, right? Mm-hmm. And so if something feels hard or something feels uncomfortable, it's always going to revert back to whatever is comfortable. And sometimes what's comfortable is really, uh, you know, unhealthy, dysregulated, you know, mm-hmm. patterns of behavior. So, um, it takes a lot of work and she's, she's putting in, she's, she's putting that in every single day. Yeah. She is having to put these things into practice every single day. I mean, so a huge congratulations to her on a successful comp season, you know, embarking on a successful reverse, all of those kind of things. Yeah. And you know what? And if you have any questions or, you know, think that you might be stuck in some of these same sort of dysregulated thought patterns and um, maybe you competed once and feel like it fucked you up forever and you're never going to be able to to get back to where you were or even maybe you weren't in a healthy place to begin with right. and, and you you want to get into a healthier place, you know. Look us up. You yeah, know, we, we, this is exactly what we love to do. Mm-hmm. Um, talk to Chris about her experience. Um, I know she's more than willing to talk about it. Um, but, you know, hit us up if you have questions. Just, you know, we'd love to help unfuck as many, <laughs> unfuck as many brains as possible. Maybe that's our, our new life mission. Unfucking women. <laughs> That could go in a million different directions. Yeah, right. You should see Brady's face right now. Like, uh... Wait, what? Is that is that really what we want to put uh, as our motto? Uh, but anyway, 
Um, don't get weird. Use your head. It'll all be okay. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening to Coaching and Cocktails, the podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or anywhere you like to stream your favorites. Bye.